Okay, that's Meat Wave. What would you like me to do? Kind of rounding out the warm-up mix this week here on My Friend's Place on WGOTLP Gainesville. And hopefully what you'd like me to do is play more great new music like I do each and every week here on the show. Um, what else did you hear in the warm-up mix? You had one from Ellie Goulding, Easy Lover, the Fortet remix of that one. Then it was uh, one from Soccer Mommy, Shotgun, the Magdalena Bay remix of that. Um, you may actually be hearing more music from Magdalena Bay coming up later on My Friend's Place. Then you heard one from Drug Dealer, Someone to Love. And then after that, you had Dear Nora, Scrolls of Doom. Kind of an appropriate song title for 2022, if you ask me. And now you are called up to everything you've heard on the show this week on My Friend's Place. So really like to try to keep up with the times, keep the show fresh. And I've got a brand new segment I'm going to debut right now. I'm going to call it Getting Snuffed. And the basic idea of Getting Snuffed is... What I'm going to try to do each and every week on My Friend's Place is bring to life this comic strip, one of the all-time great comic strips that you can still read uh, daily and on the weekends in Gainesville Sun, uh, called Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. Now, if you're a snuffhead like myself and a lot of people in America, you already know all about Barney Google and Snuffy Smith, uh, written by the great John Rose. But perhaps this might be an introduction to the wonderful Snuffyverse and the characters that inhabit uh, the Snuffyverse. If so, get on board. We're going to go for a very fun ride over the next weeks and months uh, here on My Friend's Place with Getting Snuffed. Uh, So it's a classic Sunday comic strip, this one. Um, So you've got a total of seven panels. Now, if you read during the weekdays, You're going to be limited to three, and as you know, there's not a lot of room for character development in a short three-panel comic strip. So the Sunday ones in particular really give the characters and the action and the story a chance to breathe in a way that it can't Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, So if you only read one Snuffy Smith comic strip a week, go for the Sunday edition. All right, so we've got seven panels. And I'm going to kind of walk you through it pretty slowly since this is our first getting snuffed together. And in panel number one, we have a diminutive, sorry about that, uh, little man. He's bald. He's reading a newspaper called the Hoot and Holler Gazette. Looks like he's having a nice cup of coffee. Um, next to him is his wife, much bigger, uh, by the way. Um, her name's Wheezy, and she is always clearly identifiable in the Snuffy Smith cartoons. Uh, she has like a gypsy type black headscarf on and is always dressed what looks like in a uh, red dress underneath. Um, so they're sitting, they're doing what a lot of couples do uh, in America. They get up on Sunday morning, they're both reading the newspaper, they're having a cup of coffee and a very pleasant uh, conversation. And here's what Snuffy says in panel number one. The good news is the cost of living might be starting to level off. All right, that's panel number one. Let's shift our attention to panel number two. Panel number two, you have the same two characters um, still enjoying the Hoot and Holler Gazette, different sections, of course. Um, Now, Wheezy is looking directly into Snuffy's eyes. Uh, He clearly has her attention. Uh, So he's got a follow-up comment. And here's what he says in panel number two. The bad news is the cost just getting by ain't. All right. So clearly a very powerful statement about the effect of inflation on working class Americans uh, across the country. Let's move on to uh, 
panel number three. There we go. Now, we've shifted. We've changed locations. And actually, what's interesting in this panel is uh, Louise, she doesn't have her traditional black headscarf on anymore. Actually, she does. However, it is obstructed by um, a feather hat with some flowers on top, and she's not wearing her traditional red dress. She's got, looks like a purple sweater over a black dress. Now, they've left the living room of the house, and now it looks like she's in a doctor's office, and she's speaking what appears to be a younger nurse. I'm not aware of the nurse's name, so you're just going to have to hang with me on this one. Um, it's clearly a doctor's office. There's a, a giant red cross on the wall. Um, the nurse is sitting at the table. Um, she's reading some type of magazine that has love as a title. Um, also, she has a bottle of pop. If you're not familiar with a, with a bottle of pop, sometimes people in the south or even in the north sometimes, uh, they call a, you know, like a soda, they call it a pop. So she's got a glass pop bottle and a straw down in which some kind of orange beverage. So maybe Fanta, orange Fanta, uh, maybe a Sunkist, perhaps. Um, anyway, Louise's left the kitchen table. She's now talking to this nurse in what appears to be a doctor's office. And here's what Louise says. I'm here to pay Doc's bill, nurse. Gonna have to be barter. And then the nurse replies. That's fine, Louise. What got for him today? Alright, so to kind of break this one down, you may or may not be familiar with the term barter. Um, I am uh, from the movie, the, the Mad Max movies, because they go to Barter Town as part of that series, and in Barter Town there's no money. So how do you pay for something in Barter Town? Well, you have to trade. So in some places, like in the rural south, um, I feel like maybe cash isn't like a primarily used to um, purchase things and that instead of cash like in these really cash poor counties and cities uh, you wind up trading things I, th I think that's kind of the point um, that they're trying to make here um, so when the nurse replies that's fine Louise what you got for him today eggs probably what that means is that for her doctor's appointments um, due to the high cost of you know medicine and insurance and the way that our society is today instead of paying the doctor cash it appears that Louise trades uh, maybe a dozen eggs each time so let's move on to panel four uh, this is a solo panel only one character uh, the young blonde-headed nurse um, she still has a bottle of orange pop in front of her she's put down the love magazine and she's still sitting at her desk and she simply replies bacon chickens all right, so maybe um, over the course of their transactions uh, for more expensive medical procedures or more expensive doctor's appointments, uh, instead of eggs, eggs might not always work for Louise. So sometimes you have to bump it up. And it looks like occasionally they use bacon, which is very expensive as we know right now, or maybe trade them chickens. Um, eggs would probably be like, if you're trading that for your doctor's appointment, that's just probably like a, a checkup. Or just maybe you're going in to get like some antibiotics for a cut or a sore. Uh, bacon, that would be something definitely more serious, uh, serious type element. And chickens for sure would be something pretty serious in these uh, rural doctor's office. So here we go, um, panel five. Uh, this time, 
we cannot see either character. Um, they are both clearly inside what looks like a dilapidated, uh, poverty-stricken cabin. Um, outside the cabin, there's a handmade wooden sign that says Doc Pritchard, MD and DDS. So now we have the name of the doctor, but he's not present in this scene at least. And no one is actually visible. But we do can imply, or infer rather, that the blonde-headed nurse drinking the soda pop is still going on with uh, suggestions for what Louise might trade um, for medical service in a country that doesn't have Medicare for all. So she says, veggies, ham, jellies, and jams. A little bit of rhyming there. And then I think we can infer that Louise is implying back to the young nurse, no, to all of them. Hmm. Very interesting. So just what will Louise be trading uh, for medical services to the doctor? Let's find out. We're going to move on to panel number six. This time it's just totally Louise. She's got her black headscarf on, her um, purple pink-ish uh, sweater on top, um, hat with the flowers and the, the feathers, and she's the only one speaking and the only one present in panel number six. And Louise says, Today... I brung the expensive stuff. Hmm. So what type of products might Louise uh, be trading for medical services to the doctor? So let's go ahead and move down to panel number seven. In this panel, we can see three people present. We've got Louise. We've got the blonde-headed nurse. This time, Doc. Pritchard's come into the room and they are all laughing hysterically. So clearly we're going to have a very funny answer to um, what she's brought in to trade for medical services in uh, America in 2022. Uh, so here is Louise speaking. She's the only one speaking in this panel. Thar! That ought to cover us for the rest of the whole darn year! <laughs> oh, what you can't see, what I haven't explained to you, is um, she didn't give him X, as was originally suggested. Not going to cover the uh, health care expenses. She did not give them bacon. Not going to cover her health care expenses. Chickens? No. Uh, vegetables? No. Ham? No. Jellies and jams? No. So, snuffheads? In our first edition of Getting Snuff, what did Louise bring to trade for her medical uh, services from Doc Pritchett? It's a giant can of gas sitting on the blonde-headed nurse's table because they're clearly, obviously, making a very important statement about the uh, cost of gas and inflation and how it's affecting uh, people in the lower class or lower middle class, however you want to look at this, this group of rednecks, and they are all laughing hysterically because gas is really expensive. So, hope you enjoyed uh, episode one of Getting Snuffed. Look forward to bringing future episodes to you uh, each and every week here on My Friend's Place. Uh, since we're having fun right now, let's have a little bit more fun. Uh, here's brand new music from uh, Britney Spears and Elton John. They basically work together to make a mashup of some of Elton John's uh, biggest songs. So enjoy.
Light up the world now Burn up 
vibes Higher that we go We can go higher Lights up the world now Burn out the bad vibes Higher that we go We can go higher
desperate Every time that I stop Can't you turn back Try to fix things up with 
Okay, that is Nikki Lane, Born Tough. Definitely a, a little bit of country and a little bit of rock and roll. So if you got that reference, give yourself a pat on the back. And we'll thank you for listening to my friend's place on the BGOTLP Gainesville. Before that, you heard new music from Elton John teaming up with Britney Spears. They produced a mashup together, like an official mashup called Hold Me Closer. Then we went the unofficial mashup route. We had one from Tame and Paula at Times of Smiths called The Less I Know the Better, But There is a Light That Never Goes Out. Um, so there you go. That one is definitely not a record label approved. Uh, then you heard new music from Amtrak, a uh, song titles Domino. That one features Samuel T. Herring, and hopefully you recognize that voice because we play his music all the time here on My Friend's Place. He's from the group Future Islands and has one of the best and most distinctive voices in all of uh, Andy music. Then after that, a little bit of reggae. Got Skip Marley featuring Arya Starr. Uh, song title is Jane. Then kind of went a little bit back in the Wayback Machine. It's new music, but kind of stuff that kind of had a 70s vibe. Uh, first you had Dougie Poole with High School Gym. And then right after that, uh, Catching Everything Up that you heard on my friend's place here this week. It was Rhett Miller, uh, Go Through You. So there you go. Um, that's what you've heard this week here on the show. Quick reminder, if you want to support uh, WGOT, um, besides listening to us online through WGOT.org, we also have a Patreon page at uh, patreon.com backslash WGOT. It starts as little as $1 a month, and we know everyone listening to this show can afford, well, we don't know that. We assume everyone listening to this show can afford at least $1 a month or $12 a year. That is all we're asking for. Uh, which you could almost find probably in your couch cushions or uh, somewhere in your car. Please consider uh, subscribing to uh, WGOT on Patreon. I personally have put out a few different uh, Patreon-only specials the uh, past couple weeks. Do a reggae one, um, 30 minutes of reggae music, then follow that up with a uh, new wave one. So 30 minutes of stuff that's basically uh, released in 2022 that sounds like the 1980s new wave movement. So please consider going over to Patreon and helping us out that way. Anyway, before we get into another set of music, I want to do a quick couple of movie reviews and um, I want to talk first about a movie um, about this artist called Elvis. Now, obviously everyone's heard of Elvis, and the movie um, that was just made about him has been in the, the theater for a while. It's coming to HBO in about one week. You know, you know I love HBO on this show. And I ha happened to catch it streaming, and I gotta say, really, 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 really great. Um, it's directed by a really well-known director. Um, if you are into film like I am, you know the name Boz Luhrmann, because he's got a very specific visual style and the way that he directs uh, movies. So going all the way back to 1996, the very first uh, movie I saw from him, he took um, Shakespeare and really put like his stamp on it and did a really kind of unusual thing at the time, at least visually in the movies, when he did Romeo and Juliet um, with Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio. Truly, truly unique um, vision of Shakespeare at that time. Went on, kind of applied that weird, like, super glossy, um, almost like uh, music video, I guess, in a way, but in a good way. Took that same style, applied it to a musical Moulin Rouge. Um, I think he won some Oscars for at least some nominations. Um, also, later went on to do The Great Gatsby, which is uh, his most recent movie. So he has a very distinct visual style. And you've heard me review um, 
Euphoria quite a few times on the show and talk about it at the HBO show. They, the um, director, the showrunner, Sam Levinson, was obviously really, really um, inspired by what Boz Lerman did with um, his visual style in movies. So, kind of a perfect person to do an Elvis movie, in my opinion, because Elvis is bigger than life. You got all the Las Vegas stuff happening later on in the movie. It was just an excellent choice for a director, and he really, really comes through. This movie is fun. It's great to look at. Of course, the music's going to be awesome in an Elvis movie. Made a really smart directorial um, decision, hiring Austin Butler as Elvis, who does an amazing job. And that's a name that you're going to hear over and over as, like, award season um, gets ramped up in Hollywood. He should probably be the front front runner right now to be the... Uh, uh, winner for best Oscar or for best male performance in a movie playing Elvis. There's a lot of other really cool stuff in there. My actual favorite part of the movie had nothing to do with Elvis at all. Um, they shoot some of the performers from that Memphis time, like the Stax Records, and one of them is Little Richard. Oh my goodness. The guy that plays Little Richard and does a performance, it's maybe five minutes of the movie, almost steals the whole thing. So, um, did I learn a lot about Elvis in this movie? Mm, not really. It, kind of interestingly, almost coincidental, a couple of weeks before I saw uh, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, I watched one from John Carpenter, yeah, the horror director. He actually did a Elvis uh, TV miniseries in the early 80s. It's four hours. It was two two-hour movies. So I had watched that maybe a month before I saw the new Elvis movie, so I had like all the knowledge from that movie to compare against uh, what Baz Luhrmann did, and they are totally different movies. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, because obviously the one from John Carpenter, they really needed like the Elvis uh, people to sign off, because every time Elvis does something uh, wrong in the TV movie, there's some kind of uh, Elvis explaining uh, why he did that, specifically going into the underage stuff um, with his with future wife Priscilla. Um, the one thing that both of those uh, movies had in common that I had no idea, Elvis was definitely an emo kid in both movies. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But most of the rest of the stuff, you know, I think people kind of know uh, the Elvis story at this time. But um, Baz Luhrmann put a really, like, fun, fast-moving kind of version of that story together. I guess really the controversial thing about um, his version of Elvis was the Tom Hanks role. He plays Colonel Tom Parker, and it is a little bit weird, but I don't quite get all the hate um, directed towards Tom Hanks for him. So he's doing kind of this weird, like, uh, I guess it's a, supposed to be a Dutch accent, because that's where I believe uh, Colonel Tom Parker was from. Uh, most people are probably expecting, as soon as he opened his mouth, to kind of sound like a Tennessee Southern draw. Instead, kind of has this really weird, um, really weird accent. But it didn't really bother the, me that much, and I thought actually Tom Hanks' uh, performance was pretty good as Tom, uh, Colonel Tom Parker. He does most of the narration of the movie, and he's kind of the the voice, for better or worse, of what happens in the Elvis movie. Um, but all that said, very fun, great visuals, great music, uh, good casting. highly recommend that one. The second movie I'm going to review really fast, uh, maybe not as much of a solid uh, recommendation. I'm going to give it a mini recommendation. And here is one, if you know the original movie, um, 
that you kind of have an idea where I'm going to go with this one. Uh, I watched Orphan First Kill. So what Orphan First Kill is, which sounds like the worst movie title ever, basically a prequel to the 2009 movie uh, Orphan. Uh, 13 years later, the, uh, maybe a sequel that no one was really um, asking about. So to talk about Orphan First Kill, the prequel, we have to talk a little bit about the original Orphan movie, uh, which is a movie that came out way, way, way long ago in 2009. Really caught people by surprise. It is a great, super fun, crazy um, horror movie. Uh, and sorry, I'm going to have to give you some 13-year-old spoilers to even talk about the movie. But basically, the original Orphan family adopts uh, this 9-year-old from Estonia, Turns out the nine-year-old's actually a 30-year-old, goes on a killing spree, and it's just a wonderful, super funny twist. Um, in that movie, the nine-year-old is actually played by like a 12-year-old, at the time anyway, named Isabel Furman, who does an amazing job. So really, the twist and the trick for the original Orphan movie was, how do we make this 12-year-old girl, who plays a nine-year-old, later on in the movie, when they reveal that she's a 30-year-old, what visual tricks do we kind of use to convince the audience that she's actually 30 years old? And they do a really wonderful job with that. Um, so if you've never seen the original Orphan, you should get on that right away if you like, especially if you like B-movies. I mean, this is a silly movie. It's crazy. It's wild. It's definitely a grown-up movie, but super, super fun. So here we are, 13 years later. Orphan First Kill comes out, which is a prequel to that movie. So problem number one. The actress, Isabel Furman, playing the orphan, well, when she was playing nine years old in the original one, she was like, I think, 12 years old. She was really close to the age that she was playing that character. Well, 12 years later, she's in her 20s now, trying to pull off a nine-year-old, and it does not work at all. And that part is hilariously bad, which kind of makes the movie even more fun, in my opinion, because... This is not a movie at all to take serious. It is a glowing, glowing, glowing uh, uh, standard definition of a B-movie. Um, so if you're not familiar with B-movies, B-movies are the stuff that like gets produced, uh, the uh, studios see it, and they're like, well, this is going to lose money. So they find interesting ways to market it or put them in places on their schedule to make money. So. Uh, the original Orphan was a very, don't even want to call that one a B-movie, although it has a lot of B-movie stuff to it. It was more an A-movie. This one is clearly a B-movie, especially when you've got like a 22-year-old girl trying to pass as an, a 9-year-old. Anyway, that apart, uh, the movie's kind of fun if you're into horror movies or serial killer movies and all that stuff. It kind of retraces the stuff of the Orphan. Uh, her name in the movie is Esther, as she first gets adopted from Estonia and basically wipes out her, her first entire uh, family. There is a really interesting twist in this prequel, though, and I won't give that away at all because this movie hasn't been out very long. So in these types of movies, either the twist really, really works, like uh, in The Sixth Sense, where Bruce Willis is a ghost all the time, or in... Uh, the Village, some people kind of like that one where it turns out uh, they were in modern times, or sometimes it falls completely flat. Um, so it's very Twilight uh, show. 
themed in that way and that if the the twist works and it makes sense and it catches you by surprise you're usually going to give a favorable review but if the twist is terrible and you don't like it and you don't relate to it you can give a thumbs down well this one which is not a very good movie overall does have a very fun twist and it works um totally um would I recommend Orphan First Kill to everyone? I definitely would not. But if you're a fan of horror, if you've seen the original, if you um, like silly B-type movies, then uh, Orphan First Kill. Hey, that one might just be for you. Anywho, let's get into uh, music. Heading into hour number two. It wasn't exactly on the Elvis soundtrack, but as I was looking for music to play um, from Elvis, I really kind of latched on to uh, his version of My Way, which kind of makes sense because Elvis truly, in a lot of ways, did things totally his way throughout his career. And more importantly, the reason I really latched on to it is uh, the director of the Elvis movie, Boz Lerman, he definitely does things uh, his way or my way. So anyway, here is uh, from the Aloha concert, Elvis covering My Way on My Friend's Place on WGOTLP Gainesville. And now the end is near So I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every byway Oh, and more, much more than this I did it my way Regrets, I've had a few But then again, too few to mention I did what I had to do And saw it through without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step along the byway Oh, and more, much more than this I did it my way Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew When I bit off More than I could chew But through it all When there was doubt I ate it up And spit it out I faced it all I've loved, I've laughed and cried I've had my fill, my share of losing And now, as tears subside I find it all so amusing To think 
I did all that And may I say Not in a shy way Oh no No not me I did it
Just be 
All right, that is new music from Pony called Peach. Uh, before that, in the mix, um, you heard one from Elvis Presley covering uh, My Way from Frank Sinatra, I believe. It was probably covering it from someone else. But anyway, did a quick review of the Elvis Presley movie, which I really loved, and will be coming on HBO in about a week's time, so check that out. A little bit of reggae with Horse Andy, Away with the Gun and Knife. Then you heard The Comet is Coming, Lucid Dreamer. After that, it was Movements, Cherry Thrill. Then brand new music from a very, 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 very long uh, touring and well-known band, Red Hot Chili Peppers with new music tip of my tongue and there you are you are totally caught up to everything you've heard this week here on my friend's place quick reminder that you can find wgot online at wgot.org we also have a facebook page if you want to keep up to date with information about the station and finally we're also on patreon please consider subscribing for as little as one dollar a month to help us basically pay our uh, electricity bill around here anywho i got some time left so let's do a little bit of news and this week, I really want to focus in on the hard-hitting news world of mascots. So let's talk a little bit of mascot news. First up, we've got the Rutland Raiders. Now, Rutland does kind of sound like a made-up name. Um, how are you feeling since your breakup? Well, you know, I've been feeling like I've been living in Rutland. Um, but it's actually a real town in Vermont with a real high school with the nickname of, currently, the Raiders. So, um, why are the Raiders such a controversial mascot uh, for this team in Rutland? Well, thank you for asking. I'm here to explain. It's because they are originally called the Red Raiders, which is an obvious reference to Native Americans. And alliteration. I mean, Red Raiders, it's great, right? Anywho, uh, the Rutland Red Raiders decided to drop the word red, but they kept the name Raiders for a while but unfortunately also kept it within the Arrowhead logo to make sure you knew where that name actually came from. Eventually, the school board and the students decided that they didn't really want that Native American reference, which kind of a slur, if we're honest. Uh, so they decided that it needed to be changed. And they came up with Ravens, uh, which is still good alliteration, Rutland Ravens. Now, I personally would have suggested the uh, Rutland Rudders, Rutters with two T's, or maybe the Rutland Rudders with two D's, or the Rutland Rutros, which is a shout out to Scooby-Doo. Um, so anyway, story over, Rutland Raiders, of course not. Uh, because what happened next is that three adults in their community decided to run for school board based on this one single issue. Was a single issue more advanced placement classes? Nope. Uh, better technology in the classroom for students and teachers? No way. Um, how about the issue was to prevent like dropouts and keep kids in school? Of course not. Um, what about more vocational programs in the high school to help train uh, high school students? Nope. And you know exactly where I'm going. Uh, they ran on the one single issue of keeping the school mascot as the Raiders. Of course they did. And uh, these people that ran on the single issue, the three uh, people that ran for school board in Rutland, they actually all won, which has led to an over two-year-old court battle um, going on in hours and hours of school board meetings over this uh, mascot name, obviously costing thousands and thousands of taxpayer dollars. And actually, as a result of this high school, the state 
Vermont actually had to go in and they passed a law uh, limiting mascots. Here's the exact language from that law. It prohibits mascots that, quote, directly or indirectly reference or stereotypes the likeness, features, symbols, traditions, or other characteristics that are specific to the race, creed, color, national origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity of any person or group or persons or organizations associated with the repression of others. <sighs> so, this battle over this silly like mascot name, whether it's going to be the Raiders or the Ravens, has been going on, like I said, for two years. And apparently now the district has until January 1st to declare their intentions, whether they're going to go in violation of this new state law or something else. Um, the students voted for Ravens, but yeah, let the adults argue over it, I guess. So uh, anyway, um, we are definitely in the middle of a silly culture war. But hey, we live in Florida, so all of you knew all about that already, right? Anyway, let's go to story number two. Now, story number two, we're going to talk about our friends to the north, the University of South Carolina. So you may or may not be familiar if you're a sports fan or, or whatever, um, that their mascot is the South Carolina Gamecocks. So you're going to hear the word cock a lot over the next two or three minutes. So I want to make sure for the FCC, and I know there are a lot of children are riding around in the car uh, with their parents listening to this. I'm going to be really specific when I say cock, uh, what I'm referring to. Um, so if you will, if you have children in the car, maybe now would be like a good time to unbuckle them and let them uh, kind of sit closer to the speakers in your car, because I'm going to kind of whisper this information uh, to clarify uh, what I mean every single time I say cock in the story. All right, so kids, uh, come closer and put your ear uh, right up to the window or the speaker rather all right kids so when we talk about cocks you're not allowed to say that word at school today when we talk about cocks we're not talking about your wee wee or your pee pee or any of your private parts we're only talking about birds specifically roosters so there we go um, also for the FCC people out there uh, listening as you probably right now maybe seeing through my ruse which may or may not be an attempt to say cock as many times as possible in five minutes on uh, live over the air on FM radio mm, I might be guilty as charged on that one but regardless I'm definitely within FCC guidelines discussing this story so what happened to the Gamecocks from the University of South Carolina well they have to come up with a new nickname uh, for the bird. Now, we're not talking about the person that runs around in a costume. We're actually talking about the fact that they have an actual rooster on the sideline, which is a whole nother uh, issue I don't want to debate, whether they should have animals on the sideline of SEC games. And in particular, uh, this um, mascot, this real-life mascot, uh, the reason why they chose it and everything around it is because of cockfighting. Um... So I'll, I'll leave that for a whole other discussion. But anyway, here's what happened. So they have a live rooster on the sidelines. They've had it for years and years. The rooster's name has been Sir Big Spur for a very long time. They are no longer able to use that nickname. Why? Because there's some people basically fighting over the rooster. So what happened? Uh, there was a disagreement between um, the bird's original owners, uh, Mary Snowling and Ron Arbitelli, and the new owners, which Beth and uh, 
Van Clark. So what happened last year, the, the bird that had been the bird for a while, it died. They're coming in with a new bird, and they're fighting basically over the cocks, or the rooster's uh, comb, uh, which is the top part of its head. The original owners, they're very upset that uh, the comb on its head is still going to be allowed to be there, and they feel like it should be trimmed to make it look like the pictures. Uh, the new owners, uh, they don't want to uh, make the bird look more like the fighting gamecock. Um, so what they did, instead of cutting it, they've decided to keep the comb on top intact. So they're not going to cut the cock. Siding basically health benefits to the bird, which kind of makes sense. Um, not trying to alter its appearance by cutting the top part of its head off. Uh, so there was an agreement um, that was going to allow the original owners uh, to use that name. And it's expired. And now USC... Uh, University of South Carolina, not the Southern California Trojans. They have to come up with a new name because these adults cannot get along. So there's all kinds of these silly like polls and things going around. What should be the new name of the bird? Um, some of them include, or like the most popular online was Cock Commander, Cluck Norris, uh, Cockadoodle Dude were some of the, uh, the choices out there. Uh, but breaking news, literally right as I'm... Uh, doing the story they came up with brand new or what the new name is going to be and hold your uh, pants here it is going to be now instead of big or excuse me sir big spur it's now going to be known as the general why the general well apparently the general is going to be a reference to revolutionary war general thomas sumter and um, his nickname of the Fighting Gamecock was actually the inspiration uh, for the name for the athletic department. So there you go. Uh, problem solved, I suppose. <sighs> so anyway, got about one more song left in the show today. Really hope you enjoyed uh, that segment of Mascot News, specifically talking about the Gamecocks. Um, but we got one more left, and we're going to go... A little bit of electronic pop, I think, to end the show this week. So here is some brand new music um, for Moiskop. It actually features a very famous Norwegian pop artist, uh, Susanna Sundford, on vocals. And the song title is Oh Lover. So here is your closing track this week. I'll be back uh, same time, same channel next week. Until then, adios.
We want to thank you for supporting and listening to WTOTLP Gainesville. Log of the Starship Enterprise, Stardate 5943.7. Captain Kirk, this is Lieutenant Uhura. Mr. Spock is ready to patch in. Go ahead, Mr. Spock. I'm on the surface of the destroyed barbarian planet now, Captain. Destroyed? What do you see, Mr. Spock? The surviving inhabitants are in a dreadful condition. It seems they can't control their limbs, and their minds are dull and useless. Fascinating. They seem to be in a state identical to that curious 20th century Earth disease called hard drug abuse. I suspect it has destroyed all meaningful life on this wretched planet. A tragic find, Mr. Spock. As a Vulcan, I find the need for hard drugs to be totally illogical. But as a half-human Spock, surely you can appreciate the suffering that hard drug abuse causes. We can only hope that other civilizations will not make the same mistake. You're listening to WGOTLP Gainesville, your real with cheese of community radio. You know what the funniest thing about Europe is? What? It's a little different to each other. I mean, they got the same shit over there that they got here, but it's just, just there, it's a little different. Example. All right, well, you can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a little paper cup, I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer in McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? Oh, man, they got the metric system. They wouldn't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. And what do they call it? They call it the Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. <laughs> what do they call a Whopper? I don't know. I didn't go on a burger chain. You know what they put on french fries in Holland instead of ketchup? What? Mayonnaise? Oh, I'm 
and light The king hipster, I'm always right You can't lose if you don't fight It might appear like I'm dry Then straight for the mode Oh baby, but it's one of those cars That turns into a boat Someone tell me what's going on They're acting like I went and said I in a song Listening to WGOT LP Gainesville, your local home for Jesus Juniors, airing Sundays. Hallelujah, ladies and gents. Each week here on Jesus Juniors, we travel around America to find the hottest under 10 preachers in the U.S. of A. And maybe even Alaska. Can I get an amen? This week, we'll visit little Dusty as he preaches his preachers off at the Blue Eyed Baptist Church just right outside Talladega. Until the time when you have need of me To 
flash on the big scoreboard that shines from on high And a big Super Bowl way up in the sky Drop kick me Jesus to the goalpost of life End over end, neither left nor to right Straight through the heart of them righteous uprights Drop kick me Jesus to the goalpost of life yeah, drop kick me jeans to the goalpost of life. End over end, neither left nor right. Come on, gang banger. Get your hands out of your pockets. Dog nation. Don't you me crazy? I think you looked at him crazy. Are you threatening I him? I think you did too. Are you threatening him? Dude, I can feel your heart beating through your shirt. Are you scared? I don't got to be scared. Well, why is your heart pounding like a little girl? I can't kill me. I can't kill me. It makes no sense. Anybody can kill you. You can slip and fall on a banana peel. You can get in a car wreck. You can fall off a bridge. You can have an aneurysm on a toilet. You never know.